Welcome to Season 2 of the Gamers Change Lives Podcast. In Season 1, we learned about entrepreneurs and others around the world who were creating jobs and opportunities through esports. The one common theme throughout the season was that it takes money to create jobs and change lives. But let's face it, money can be hard to find, especially in some parts of the world, maybe in your part of the world. But this season, we are going to share stories from esports entrepreneurs in emerging markets and showcase how they found funding they need to be successful. We're also going to talk to investors in Africa, Asia, India, who have invested in esports and highlight the challenges that those markets face. In addition, we're going to talk about sponsors who provide funding to teams, tournament organizers, and streamers. Join us on this journey for season two of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, aptly titled Follow the Money. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, I'm definitely not the expert. I'm more of an explorer. The goal of the podcast is to hear from esports entrepreneurs from all over the world, to hear how esports can create jobs and maybe inspire others to do just that. Our tagline is play games, create jobs, change lives. And here in season two, we've been talking to people about investment. We've been talking to people about sponsorship, media rights, streaming, all kinds of ways to raise money for an esports enterprise from all kinds of uh, directions because it takes money to create those jobs. We call this season Follow the Money. Today, I'm honored to have Tushar Garg from India. He's the founder, CEO of Streamo, as well as the founder and CEO of Irony Sports, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Welcome, Tushar. Hey, Tom. Hey, Reginald. Good to meet you guys. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we, we appreciate you taking, taking a little bit of your time here. So where are you speaking to us from? Uh, I'm based in India at the moment in uh, New Delhi, which is the capital city. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a bright, sunny morning. So it's so nice to be here. Can you, can you describe in just a little bit of detail, maybe just for my information more than anything else, what's the, what is the e, uh, esports, what does the gaming landscape look like in India as far as are there certain centers? You said you're in, in Delhi, New Delhi. It's like, are there certain centers that are kind of where, where, where most things are happening or uh, are things pretty spread out? Yeah, so I think uh, esports is fairly uh, spread out across the length and breadth of India. India is a huge country. We've got really great amount of uh, people who, uh, you know, subscribe to mobile phones, smartphones, have access to digital internet all across. Uh, so it's literally spread out. And, you know, the good thing is everyone has a smartphone in their hand. So India is a mobile first market and everyone's literally playing games uh, during their pastime. Sometimes it's to connect with friends. Sometimes it's to just de-stress. And sometimes it's just to kill time. So we, we have uh, a huge uh, number of youngsters that play games uh, and also watch games. Yeah, sounds like sounds like most most places in the world yeah. these days. But I think I think one of the things you touch on is that mobile is probably a bigger part of the esports, the gaming landscape there uh, than maybe in some other parts of the world. Certainly more than than it is here in the U.S. That's right, absolutely. I think India is you know uh, current uh, statistics show that. We have more than 800 million uh, smartphone subscribers. So that number is absolutely unbelievable. And uh, uh, the, the cost of internet or let's call it data is one of the lowest in the world. 
Uh, we have Diwali, uh, which is our festival season coming up in the next, you know, 15 days. And we're announcing 5G, which is going to completely, you know, take the gaming landscape by storm. Uh, so, so, so I think we're just at the cusp of, you know, taking off into a much bigger focus on, on gaming, esports, live streaming as we go from here. Great, great. No, I, I, I actually, I, I lived in Fiji for a couple of years as a Peace Corps volunteer and we had Diwali there. It's like, I, you know, we had, we had all the, yeah. the Indian um, um, holidays there. So I, I, it was always interesting to, to, to learn about it. And the food, the food yeah. was amazing. So that, that's, another, <laughs> that's another podcast. Can you talk yeah. about how, how did you get started in gaming and esports in particular? All right, sure. So, you know, my background is that of a tennis player. I'm an All India Indian University champion, which is uh, like the Indian equivalent of the NCAA in the US. And from there, I started my career with IMG, and, and the whole focus has been uh, to work uh, across different sports. I started with tennis, golf, uh, cricket, football. And my focus was really uh, connecting the advertisers or the sponsors with different uh, uh, different sports, different athletes, different teams, different broadcasts of different uh, sports. So I've been doing this for a very long period of time. I worked on IPL, which is you know the the biggest uh, sports uh, league in India uh, by by far. I also worked what on ATP tennis. What, what does IPL stand for? IPL is uh, Indian Premier League cricket. It's like the NFL or the English Premier League equivalent. So it's you know it's it's a it's a heady combination of uh, cricket in a three-hour format, uh, and you have a lot of entertainment, and it's uh, it's just uh, you know like a high high octane uh, mix of entertainment basically. And so from there, uh, you know, when the lockdown started, uh, that's when I said, okay, fine, I'm going to leave my job, uh, and you know, I'm going to start focusing on being an entrepreneur. And that's when, you know, I had some prior experience of working in esports. And that's when I said, okay, fine, this is a great time to actually jump into esports and start exploring what kind of opportunities exist there. And, and obviously, you know, I had a kind of an inkling that uh, a lot of uh, esports tournaments and esports teams are not getting enough uh, monetization, not getting enough sponsorship, are not getting enough attraction from sponsors and advertisers. So how can I bridge that gap and play a role in doing that? So that's that's how my story kind of started uh, in August 2020. Now that's perfect perfect for this season of the, of the podcast. I wanted to just touch a little bit. You were, um, I think I saw that you were with TCM Sport. Was that the, that's uh, right? And so, could you talk a little bit about because you're because of your background in traditional sport, even if, it, if even if it is things that that maybe. Are, People in the U.S. wouldn't be familiar with, but people certainly in in uh, most of the places where our audiences would would know. But but we, how does it work? What are the kinds of similarities and what are the differences? Have do you find between traditional sport and esport? So I think the traditional sport, uh, the whole idea is that it's uh, it's a it's a fun, entertaining, you know, uh, eye gripping sort of an experience uh, that is uh, interesting for uh, audiences. And obviously, sports is slightly older audiences. I would call them young millennials, whereas uh, esports is largely focused on Gen Z and Gen Alpha audiences. Um, so the whole uh, structure, the whole you know architecture of uh, sports marketing and esports marketing is very similar. But historically, esports as an IP has been given for free to advertisers, to streaming platforms. 
like Twitch or YouTube Live. So there's been no monetization. And with sports, I think the sports marketers have a much better commercial acumen of, you know, how to monetize, how to create value, and then how to exploit, you know, commercial value from that. So that's been the, I think, the biggest difference. And that was one of the learnings that I could get from sports marketing to uh, the esports business. And if you see internationally also, we see so many executives from, you know, the four major leagues in the U.S. actually now migrating to so many of the esports startups or the some of the funded esports teams or some of the publishers like Activision Blizzard and so on. So it's 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 a it's like something which is uh, you know comes inherently with sports marketing. And I think the name of the theme uh, today is follow the money. So like sports marketing is all all about you know show me the money, right? So it's it's just uh, one thing that the esports community benefits from sports marketing is. Can we help them make money from this and make it, you know, make the business run more commercially than from an altruistic perspective? I think that's the biggest, uh, you know, contribution. You know, because a lot of times we say that there's no roadmap in esports, but there's there there is an outline of one, and just like you described, it's a, it's how traditional sports has has done it because there's there's no industry, certainly in the U.S. I mean. There's just unbelievable amounts of money in the, the sporting world, but it didn't happen overnight. And and it, it's really interesting how it's structured. And there are just ways that, you know, smart people can say, okay, let's do, let's put this into, let's put what we can learn over there over into esports. And the things that don't apply, we can, we can leave out. When does first start Absolutely. here talking about Streamo? So, cause, cause that, it looks really, really interesting. And I also saw something uh, doing a little bit of research here, which I, re- which I really like. You're looking at doing things at the intersection of four trends, passion economy, live streaming, video gaming, and super fans. That's now, right. It, one of the things I really like seeing was super fans, because that's the piece that a lot of people forget that is so important. Can you talk about that intersection between those four? Yeah, sure. I think I think the four secular trends that I talk about are really like, you know, the the defining features of the way, uh, number one, you know, the creative economy, which is the new economic model. Tom, you and I went to schools, colleges, we had a structured, you know, career plan, right? But these youngsters today, their economic model is straight out of college. They're starting their own YouTube channels and building their audiences and communities at scale and monetizing them. The next thing is how we consume entertainment. You and I watch linear television and probably nowadays we watch OTT platforms. But these, you know, Gen Z audiences, they're straight away watching live streaming. They're literally thriving in the world of Twitch or YouTube Live or Facebook Live, right? They're not, they're not interested in uh, watching linear television. One, because of the genre of content and second, because it, it is more appointment viewing. And live streaming is, you know, it's more interactive, it's more intimate, and it's it's very engaging. Third is uh, video gaming. Historically, video games was this, you know, so-called activity that one did in a parent's basement or in a college dormitory. But now that's also changed and it's becoming a very social experience. A lot of times, youngsters are not even playing these games. They're just using games as a social experience or as a digital third space where they can actually hang out and you know chat with their friends given the pandemic a new kind of epidemic has ensued which is the loneliness epidemic 56 percent of my friends are now you know becoming from the online universe 
So strangers are our new best friends, right? And the fourth one is super fans, which is all about, you know, uh, connecting, uh, having real authentic friendships and actually, uh, you know, collaborating a lot together and uh, spending disproportionate amount of time and energy on and nurturing those relationships. I think historically, we had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, focus on accumulating fans and getting so many followers, you know, really working on vanity metrics, likes, shares and followers. Now it's not about that. It's about, you know, having a very focused community, people that you actually care about and th- those people reciprocating that authenticity and admiration for the work that a creator is doing. So I think these four trends are really defining what, you know, a streamo does and, and the kind of Gen Z that we're kind of offering to brands uh, that is uh, at the intersection of these four trends. And one of the things that I hear you talking about there is that you don't have to have the most number of viewers. You just have to have the most passionate group of, of followers out there and you're going to, you're going to be ahead in the game. And that's, that's what a, a super fan is. You don't need millions. You just need enough to, uh, to make you the hero here. Would you talk about Gen Z? Can you, can you describe what kind of age groups that is specific? Cause I always get confused. <laughs> so what, what age groups are Gen Z? that you're looking so, at getting in front of? So Gen Z is uh, typically 18 to 24 years of age. These are these are the generation that is born between 1997 and 2012. And these are people who've kind of born with a, you know, cell phone in their hand and a, a you know, a social media handle to their name. Uh, they've never known a world without internet or without, you know, Wi-Fi. Uh, so pretty much their, uh, you know, way of uh, communicating, their way of thriving, it's pretty much, it's all online. And uh, they're also in a generation which is very entrepreneurial. They're not, they're not like, you know, people who would post Instagram pictures with pink backgrounds and perfect looking images. They're very, um, they're, they're, they're a zero bullshit generation. They really like to call a spade a spade. And so I think that's starkly different about Gen Z and, and that's why they're very entrepreneurial. And that's why they're also very much interested in some of the issues that are dodging the world today, you know, like the focus on climate change, for example, or gender gap or you know, genocide or diffusion of technology. So they care a lot about these issues and how the world is grappling with these issues. So they're very vocal and outspoken about, you know, what, uh, what they care about. So this is a very interesting generation. And, Interestingly, I'll talk about India. We have around 375 million Gen Z. 27% of our population is Gen Z. And the next cohort, which is young millennials, is around 34%. And by 2026, this number is going to, the Gen Z number is going to overtake the millennial number. And uh, we're also seeing that more than 200 million uh, of these are on YouTube. YouTube is like this, you know, home of Gen Z, they're learning, they're sharing, they're, you know, they're uh, also getting entertained, they're coming together to create content. So this is a very, I would say, very uh, proactive and a very focused uh, generation, which is really out there making things happen in a sort of a go-getter kind of a, you know, tribe, which is not, you know, uh, waiting and looking forward to some support from family or from their parents. It's just, they're just on their own. You mentioned YouTube. Is there is YouTube the biggest platform in India when it comes to um, playing games? Do people play on Twitch? Do people play on Facebook gaming? 
So uh, we have these three platforms in India, but YouTube is obviously the mighty, you know, uh, like the, the biggest one in terms of uh, the monthly active users. YouTube has around 450 million monthly active users, which is a, you know, incredibly high number. And uh, YouTube combined with Google is the number one media company by, you know, by, by revenue and by share of voice. Uh, where is Twitch? Obviously, it's internationally very big, but in India, Twitch is still uh, not very existent. It's very buggy. It doesn't have local encoders, uh, and it's also not available in vernacular. Vernacular is a very big part of India because you know India is like twelve or thirteen micro markets. There's so many different dialects uh, and so many different uh, states, right? Uh, and then Facebook. Facebook, yes, that it is. It is uh, playing catch up. It is uh, you know focused on uh, game gaming as a genre, but I think recently they shut down Facebook gaming and they've migrated the community from uh, Facebook gaming to the main Facebook. Uh, but but again, it's not very much a Gen Z platform because Facebook is considered uncool now for for the Gen Z. So it's a bit uh, you know that that migration is uh, continuing to happen. No, it's it. Facebook is for old people now. <laughs> so. Um... So yeah, so, so talking about more about Streamo, what what exactly does Streamo do? When you say you're connecting okay. the brands with Gen Z, what, what all does that entail? Yeah, so so I think that's a very important question. Um, Streamo is basically you know creating a like a twin fold solution. One is on one side we're helping uh, creators who are half athletes, half influencers who are creating game content and streaming it live on YouTube. We're helping them with monetization. Now, India ranks 72nd when it comes to uh, the CPM rates, cost per thousand impressions rate that YouTube has. So India is very, very far behind. So therefore, even if these guys are getting large number of views, which is not a very difficult thing in India, uh, they're not getting enough monetization. So we're actually coming in and playing that role of you know solving the problem of lack of creative monetization. Um, second thing is on the other side, we're working with brands, uh, brands were specifically focused on, uh, Gen Z audiences or Gen Alpha audiences. Uh, these are people, um, who are not watching linear television, who are very averse to traditional forms of advertising and they regularly apply ad blockers. So, you know, you need to communicate with these Gen Z in a very different way, which is what, you know, we're offering through. Uh, streamer. So the whole artwork that appears inside the live stream is unblockable, unskippable, and unstoppable. And the way it's designed is it's, it doesn't look anything like a traditional ad. So that whole experience is very much, you know, what I think uh, Gen Z loves. And, and, you know, we're not talking down to them or we're not trying to be preachy to them. We're talking to them as friends. And much of our creator community is also you know, we're focused on the, the guys between 1,000 subscribers and 10,000 subscribers. So while we have the, the guys who are millions of subscribers and 500,000 subscribers and so on, but our largest cohort of creators is the guys between 1,000 and 10,000. So these guys have very focused communities which consist of fans, friends, and family members. And so they have high levels of engagement is what, you know, brands are also after. So, so this whole combination works very well. And it's just been, you know, uh, two years. We are a market leader. 
we've actually helped so many new or first time brands actually make inroads into uh game live streaming and uh, and and yeah i mean it's just uh, been a fantastic journey we've got 5243 youtubers that uh, work with us on an active basis and their cumulative reach is around 100 million subscribers uh and uh, we're working with more than 100 plus brands like so netflix amazon prime uh mx player which is the other big ott platform in india we're working with sony playstation intel gamer days crocs uh spotify so you'll see a lot of the gen z focused brands a lot of cryptocurrency brands we're working with um and digital payments brands so all of these together really you know the whole focus is uh to work with uh creators help them with monetization and help brands access an audience which is very hard to reach on other uh platforms now it looks like you're you're hitting the right the right audience for the right you put you you match get the right the right groups there you say there's around 5000 content creators there how do you find content creators what are you looking for in a content creator i mean can anyone sign up or do you go out and recruit are you selective on who you let in and if so what 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 what's the most attractive content creator for you to find right so i think uh, with streamer the whole idea is to be you know very democratic and and have no um, you know like a preference for a certain type of creator i think the way we are focusing on this is we're letting every creator come forward and and you know monetize his his content and his live stream so we don't have even the the barrier or let's call it the threshold that youtube has set for youtube partner program which is you need to have 1000 subscribers and 4000 hours of broadcast we we even don't have that so like tomorrow tom you and i could just start our youtube channel and start monetizing through streamer we don't need any you know background any following any kind of community we can straight away start off the bat so that really allows a lot of creators to come forward and and work with us and and we also don't have any you know like any kind of uh, expectation that you have to stream a certain number of hours in a month there are some you know homegrown live streaming platforms which have these conditions uh, because they are funded by venture capital money and they need to clock a certain number of hours of broadcast to demonstrate that you know they're actually having users form a habit of watching content on their platform so we don't have that we literally give creators our model is very much like the uber model whenever you want to stream you can stream and you'll be able to monetize the moment you don't want to stream or you don't want to stream like two days in a week or three days in a week you just want to take off you can do that so our model is very flexible it's not it doesn't have any kind of conditions and i think that's what creative people and especially streamers who are creating you know content they love that kind of flexibility i've heard so many stories and so many creators coming up and telling me you know because if we have these conditions of you know constantly producing content uh to a fixed number of hours we were not able to give our best and we're not able to churn out the most you know fun content so so from that perspective i think we're a very open platform and uh uh we also focus on not just working with youtube we also synchronize with with twitch so uh you know the two of the biggest platforms we're already working with and uh yeah i mean i think we're very uh, open and we have no conditions whatsoever now it's uh it, the when you talk about uber that's an interesting uh analogy to make 
which it really makes it clear to me anyway. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you can, you know, if you're an Uber driver, if you're not making much money, it might be up to you. <laughs> not, not, uh, not necessarily up to anyone else. So if I ask you questions here, it's information inside information that you don't, you don't tell people on podcasts that go out all over the world while you just, just let me know. But how much, sure. how much can streamers make? So uh, a typical streamer, he's uh, making uh, at least 10 to 20 times more than what the YouTube partner program offers. So uh, so that's the ratio of, you know, uh, or the magnitude at which we're operating. Um, and like I said, the CPM rates in India are very low. Uh, and so therefore, you know, somebody has to do the heavy lifting. And obviously we're doing that. Uh, a lot of times creators are... Uh, you know, not getting enough money from uh, channel subscriptions. They're not getting enough money from tips and donations. They're also not getting enough money from, you know, uh, brand deals and sponsorships. So we come in and we give them money on a CPV model, cost per view model. So the number of times they actually showcase the broadcast of a sponsor or a brand inside their live stream, they get paid accordingly. And, you know, multiplied by the number of people that are watching that uh, that uh, advertising broadcast. So it's very, it's very easy to calculate and it's very regular. It's very consistent and it is passive income for these guys. They're not required to do something different or they're not required to like specifically do some, you know, talking and communicating on behalf of the brand. It's very passive whilst they're live streaming, you know, the whole brand artwork appears in the live stream. There's a call to action in the chat box and it all goes automatically. For the streamers, where do, which, where's the best way to get training? Where's the best way to learn how to do this? I mean, on one hand, a lot of times I always take for granted that, you know, someone that's of that age group has some kind of gene that lets them, you know, work, work a phone or work, work a computer different than, uh, than I ever will. But, but what kind of training is available for anyone that wants to be a streamer and wants to make some money as a streamer? Yeah, so very interesting point. I think that's another thing that we realized as we started getting deeper and deeper into the community. We started realizing that a lot of creators are coming forward and saying that, you know, how can I be a effective live streamer? How can I build my own niche in this area of gaming? Um, so what we've also done is we've been focusing on uh, monetization of their content, but now we're also helping them with creation of content. So we've literally actually focused on building this community on Discord. We've got you know almost thousand uh, YouTubers there. So we're inviting a lot of guest speakers, you know, prominent YouTubers who are actually you know sharing their journey of content creation and how they went about you know basic things like you know what kind of equipment to choose or what kind of uh, you know friends to make in the beginning. Very easy to understand things that they can directly apply in their lives. So the model of the community is that come for the content and stay for the community. So they come, they learn, and then they become part of the community and then they network with each other and then they you know, start uh, learning more and are able to share their common challenges. And it's, it's just an incredible, you know, very supportive community. So, so that's how we're uh, kind of going about this. What's interesting there is that instead of, saying, okay, we need some training. So let's put together all this training, online training for people to go through. Instead, you create communities so that they can they can kind of train themselves. 
and 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 uh, and use use user generated content in a way that's probably going to be a lot better than than someone who, who's trying to figure out how to to tell it. Yeah, if, if, it's like yeah, I'm just picturing one of the kids down the street. It's like you know he probably learns more from his neighbors that that are just like him that are out there doing it than he could ever learn from watching a, a video on how to how to do Fortnite. Absolutely. I think that's the beauty of this generation. They're very uh, much, you know, self-governed, self-motivated, uh, self-learners. They, they don't need any kind of, you know, pushing or cajoling. I think they're, they're self-starters. So they literally just, you know, by virtue of their interactions with their peers, they're able to learn a lot. And I think the one uh, thing that really stands out is that they really love to learn in a live format. Live means more interaction and, and also they like to connect with people uh, and, and learn in that manner uh, as against, you know, some of the young millennials who would watch, you know, uh, a mountain of content on YouTube and just um, consume that in that way. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's the difference uh, with these guys. They're very uh, interested in learning and, and, you know, it all stems from the fact that they're entrepreneurial and each of these streamers seems, sees himself as a micro entrepreneur. Because, you know, there's no, there's no like straightforward path on how to become a successful creator, how to monetize and how to kind of build your community. So everyone's looking at different ideas, finding their niche and, and kind of going from there. Uh, yeah. It makes a lot of sense the way you, you're getting it structured. So um, moving on to brands, because... What I find interesting there, you're talking about here, here's the streamers on, on this side of the equation over here. The other part has to be, you know, the brands. So you were mentioning some of the brands that you've, you've connected with. Can you talk a little bit about how you created those partnerships with those brands? And again, I'm not looking for specific information. It's, but in, in general, how do you approach these big brands and create a deal that works out for both sides? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the, you know, the process of reaching out to brands has been a very interesting one in India, given uh, all the interest in esports and all the, you know, fascination about gaming. I think the first step is that there's a lot of confusion as well, because gaming is a very wide and broad term. There are so many kinds of games out there. There's real money gaming, which is a bit more like, you know, uh, gambling or betting. Then there's uh, fantasy gaming, which is a bit more like a uh, skill-based game. But again, you know, it's it's a bit questionable. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, sports simulation games, which are sport, but in the form of a game. And then you have competitive video gaming, which is, uh, which is what we call esports, right? Being played between two or more people and other people are watching it for, uh, you know, for fun and entertainment. So the guys that we focus on are uh, guys who are not playing to win, but they're playing to entertain their communities. And these are people who have formerly played, uh, you know, games uh, professionally, and now they've actually turned into content creators uh, or streamers. And the way we go about, uh, you know, doing our sales and, and getting brands on board is we actually start with a lot of uh, advocacy, uh, a lot of knowledge sessions. So I conduct this, Esports 101 uh, knowledge session, which really breaks down what you know the whole landscape of gaming, esports, live streaming, metaverse looks like, and where does esports stand? Where does game live streaming stand? What are the international case studies? How big is this 
you know, this fandom, what kind of monies are flowing into this ecosystem, you know, from venture capital, private equity and so on. And some, uh, you know, examples of uh, what we've done with some of the brands in India. And after all of that education is done is when we're actually able to start the journey of, you know, really propagating what we're doing with, uh, with Streamo. So it's not a, it's not a quick, you know, touch and go and, and you, you're able to close a deal. It, it takes, uh, you know, a good three to four months to actually go through this entire journey. And one of the uh, good case studies we have is Intel Gamer Day, you know, for which we won a couple of awards as well. So Intel is obviously one of the biggest investors in esports internationally with you know, almost $100 million of investments in esports. And in India, when we started with them, they, they had no clue about, you know, how to navigate this landscape and, and how to really go about things. So we started with, uh, with a very simple, you know, uh, esports tournament, which is focused on the PC gaming community because Intel wants to activate their OEMs. Uh, you know, other equipment manufacturers like Dell and Asus and Lenovo and HP Omen uh, so that they can actually, you know, uh, sell the laptops. Uh, so so the whole focus has been on a very specific cohort of gamers who play PC-based games. PC-based games like Minecraft and Valorant and GTA 5. So we focus exclusively on that community, which is, you know, more mature and has, you know, obviously a PC of their own and have communities which are watching those games. So they're more, uh, you know, the propensity for them to buy laptops and PCs is much higher than a mobile user. So we... Go go ahead, go ahead. No, no. So, yeah, so we just like, I mean, so we carve out what really is the problem statement of a brand. And then, you know, we go with that. Uh, and then I can talk about more case studies, but why don't you uh, ask a question? You know, one of the things I was question, uh, wondering about, who's the audience that you're talking to at the brand? Who's the person that, if you if you could choose any 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 department, any group in a brand, who would you like to be talking to first? So we'd, lo- we'd love to be talking to the marketing department, uh, you know, people who manage uh, the marketing investments, uh, the director of marketing, chief marketing officer, brand manager. Now, gaming and esports is becoming so super specialized um, and it's often called as digital marketing 3.0. So the traditional digital marketing manager doesn't know much about gaming and esports. And then there is interactive digital, which is 2.0. And then there's immersive digital, which is 3.0, which is where, you know, you have gaming, esports and live streaming. So a lot of these big brands like, you know, Procter & Gamble or Unilever or uh, Pepsi, they have specialized, you know, uh, people who actually manage uh, gaming, esports, and live streaming. So we have to talk to them, and we also have to talk to the the, the you know the main uh, person who signs off on all marketing investments. So it's a little bit of a you know collaborative, consultative, creative way of actually doing a deal. It's not like the standard media sell or a media buy that uh, happens in sports or that happens across any of the other. Uh, digital marketing uh, propositions. Yeah, and it, one of the things you, you're learning all the time on how it works. One one of the things that I always uh, tell people is um, find a marketing manager and make them the hero. It's like if you can, Absolutely. if you can, um, you know, I was talking to some of the big uh, publishers around here, and I was like, go over to the studios, find the marketing manager, not the directors, not the VPs, not the find the manager, and 
give him a way to be your evangelist within the organization. You're going to get in there and you're going to, you're going to make them look good. So you're going to have a a buddy there, a friend there. And it's just, it just, that's, that's just an approach that I've seen certainly in the entertainment business here works really well. And and a lot of times people, and, but that it, it also depends on different industries, just like you're describing, it's going to change from company to company. But yes. one of the things I think is really important is that you, you look and find the right person to be talking to. No, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think, you know, it's, it's in the, in the early stages and in the incipient stages, it's really about finding an, a champion within the company or the brand or like a, you know, thorough evangelist who really, uh, you know, believes in this, who understands this, who sees, you know, um, sees this as a long-term play as against like a, you know, short-term tactical thing. And also, I think, uh, you know, it's the, the way uh, we're operating is we're not looking at a one-off association, right? I mean, there is only a handful of brands that actually do invest in uh, esports, gaming and, and live streaming. So we really have to work in a very uh, team-oriented manner. We have to come together to build this, you know, story and then tell the story. It's not like um, it's it's not like a it's not a transactional relationship by any means. So absolutely, like I think the you know working very closely and really making them the champion is really because you need a solid anchor inside the company to drive this. Otherwise, if they don't have that, then you know this wouldn't be a part of their marketing strategy. So yeah. absolutely couldn't agree more with you, Tom. It, it, one of the other things that we heard from uh, Luca Ciccone at Red Bull South Africa in the first episode was he was saying more and more people on that are looking for sponsorship, looking for partnerships. He said more and more, the person on the other side of the desk is someone that's a gamer. He said, he said, right. that, he said, it's, it, we're just kind of reaching this, this tipping point. He thought that uh, th- there's a better chance. And if they're, if they're a gamer, then you're, you know, you're, you're, so much further down the road. What do you think that um, um, brands? What are they looking for? What What are the deliverables? What 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 makes What makes that marketing manager a hero? What do you What do you want to be able to do for him? So I think the the brands, uh, uh, you know, at the first uh, port of call, I think they're looking at a very uh, uh, basic understanding of what this community is all about. I think. Uh, it's not a straight line to really understand uh, who the consumer is, what kind of habits do they have, um, what kind of games they play, uh, how many hours in a day that they play those games. So I think there's very little research, very little information about this. So I think at this stage right now, they're in the investment phase where they're just experimenting uh, with different you know propositions. Uh, so like in our company, we had, Team, talent, and tournament. Team meaning, you know, sponsoring an esports team. Talent meaning working with esports athletes and game live streamers. And tournament meaning, you know, doing esports tournament on a particular game and building the community around that. So right now, I would call it like this phase is all about learning and experimenting. And, you know, only then can we actually arrive at a, uh, you know, a sort of a, a steady proposition that can be, you know, templated and that can be done year year after year. We've done that with Intel Gamer Day. We did, we've, we've been working with them for almost more than two years now. Uh, and every year we you know continue to add one more layer. Uh, earlier it was mostly online and virtual experiences. And now it's also offline. 
so it's it's growing as we're going along uh, the whole you know investment and the involvement is growing from intel side do you no that's great to be working with intel i mean there's there's not many brands in the esports in the gaming world that um that, that rank higher than than uh, than them is uh, it, the things that you're doing at Streamo? Are you India only, as far as the brands and the streamers both? That's right. We are focused on the Indian market, and uh, we're focused on the creators in India, and uh, obviously brands are also uh, Indian brands, and obviously multinational brands with Indian arms. So, um, so it's but our focus is India. India itself is so huge. Um, you know, we we have aspirations to go to other major YouTube markets like Vietnam and Thailand and Indonesia and some of the countries in Middle East, Saudi Arabia and, and Egypt, uh, for, for example. But we haven't really had the time or the bandwidth to actually kind of go there. Um, but we are in the process of uh, starting our fundraising conversations. Uh, so by April next year, we should have much more clarity on you know which direction we're going. Are we going to focus only on India or we're also looking at one or two, you know, markets which are very similar to India? Uh, we may want to kind of uh, explore those markets. One of the things I think people, certainly people here, just don't usually understand how big India is when it comes to uh, to population. I mean, it's just, just massive. and uh, It's huge. We've actually crossed uh, one point. 5 billion people now in 2022 uh, and we're ahead of China. So it's uh, it's like a new achievement of sorts. Not, I mean, maybe not the best one, but we're really, really huge. So I think, uh, you know, uh, we see that, you know, this uh, esports and game live streaming, all of this is not just uh, entertainment. I think it's a lot of education also. And it, it has to play a role of a problem solver in a country as big as India. Uh, so we're trying to see multiple use cases of what we're doing, uh, you know, school K-12, working with schools, uh, collegiate, uh, working with sports teams. Uh, so many different uh, use cases, you know, we're still exploring and it's still early days. I think the one that's really worked for us till now is uh, game live streaming. Uh, and it's, it's something which is measurable, something which is, you know, uh, cost effective and allows you to experiment and kind of you know get a taste of this community. So that's what's really worked. But other than that, I think, you know, it's still early days. Uh, and we've also been, unfortunately, you know, uh, we've had two of the most popular games in India, PUBG Mobile and Free Fire, get banned by the government. So that's been, a, you know, a little bit of a bummer as well. So... Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's just, uh, you know, two steps forward and one step backward and then again, recalibrating how to go forward. How do you manage language languages there, that all the different languages that are in, we were talking to people in, in the Philippines and how many thousands of languages there are in the Philippines. Yeah, how, how did they, you know, we were asking, them, how do you, how do you manage with that? But, but you, you have some of the same situation there. How do you deal with multiple languages? So essentially, um, you know, the brands are interested in vernacular and it works very well to our advantage that these brands are interested in local dialects and, and people talking to their communities and their, you know, in their home language. So um, we use the same platform. We use everything is same. We don't really have to make much alterations or much adjustments. I think uh, the campaign operates at a national level and at a local regional level. 
and creators are literally, you know, like they're just uh, using the same tools. Um, and so it's, it's, I, I don't think we're making any real uh, adjustments or we have to do any changes. It's just, we just go with the same structure and it, and it works to our advantage. So you're saying the brands are interested in content in the local language. That's right. I said that's that's amazing because I would think it would be just the opposite. But that's a, that's a, a, such a great thing that you would you know you would know by working with these companies um, that if, if they're looking for engagement, the engagement has to be at the at that kind of level. Yes, absolutely. So there are some uh, markets which are so we have English, we have Hindi, uh, then we have Tamil, which is the South Indian language, uh, then we have Telugu. So a lot of uh, communities actually create content in regional uh, and vernacular languages. So it's, it's, uh, it's already, the communities are already there. Uh, YouTube has already, you know, so much experience in vernacular. And uh, we literally have, you know, a very little role to play. I mean, we just, we're just helping them with brands. And we find those local brands and local communities, which are willing to, you know, be a part of this. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there isn't much of, uh, involvement from our side when it comes to, uh, local and regional languages. No, sounds great. Sounds great. The one thing that I should have asked earlier on in the conversation that I meant to sure. was because one of the things I always like to hear about is how things got started. And so how did Streamo get started? Because when we're talking to entrepreneurs around the world and it's like, usually you, they get a team of people, you have a bunch of friends, they get a team together and to, to, uh, to fill a need. And some of the people, some of the people we talked last season in India, it was like, well, there was no one doing this. So we decided to go do it sort of thing. And so I was just kind of curious about this, the, what, um, what led you and your team there to decide to create Streamo? So, like I said, you know, we started with the, with the trifecta of team talent and tournament. And uh, we dabbled with all three propositions. We went to celebrities. We said, you want to have an esports team? We did a lot of tournaments for uh, brands that wanted to, you know, build uh, tournament tournaments that happen on a regular basis. Uh, and then we also said, okay, let's also look at talent. So we started, you know, cold emailing uh, talents on YouTube. We started meeting with them in person. Uh, in meeting persons were very few because it was COVID time, so we couldn't do much of that. Uh, yes. And then, you know, one thing led to the other. There were certain uh, talented people that just came and joined us and said, okay, can you help us with monetization? And these were not the big guys. These were like the really the young and upcoming, you know, gaming aficionados. They were not even proper gamers. And so, you know, we just started uh, working with these guys and, uh, and, we started building a community one by one, one by one. We kept getting more and more gamers. And, and then that's how we went about it. I mean, it was in the initial days were like, you know, literally, you know, like the campaign would start and there would be like, we'd call sometimes a gamer and he'd say like, my mother's taken my phone and I can't game right now. And I'm like, what are you saying? Get your phone and get on the machine and start streaming. So we, we had to like, <laughs> So we had to literally like make sure that, you know, we now have the demand, but we also have the supply in terms of, you know, enough number of gamers are streaming. And then now fast forward to today, we have a situation where campaign starts and by the evening, you know, we've already exhausted all the, the daily quota of views that we have to deliver. 
and we have this huge you know community of uh, streamers we have uh, so many women streamers that you know absolutely are loved by uh, the male uh, communities in india uh, and then we have you know gamer specific streamers so we have all kinds of ways of slicing and dicing our you know streamers now but obviously in the early days we really had to like really really you know put one to one and like really go from there so that was that was interesting times you you sound like you're almost looking back at it fondly but maybe it's nicer yes. to be where you are now <laughs> yeah, absolutely and i think the other good thing which we did talk was we you know we didn't invest much in uh, in technology or we didn't invest too much in any of like you know fixed investments we we said okay let us you know work on a what we call the 3m model migrate modify and monetize so we looked at you know businesses that were internationally successful uh, and we got those concepts into india we modified those concepts and straight away we went into monetizing so our our philosophy was very asset light and we didn't really invest a lot of upfront money and only now that we have so many you know great experiences of working with such big brands uh netflix for example we launched stranger things for we had 5000 i saw that i saw that that was huge like everyone was like you know like we got so many messages from young youtubers saying that i just want to show my parents that playing video games is not a waste of time and actually actually earn money from a brand like netflix and and so those are really you know incredible uh, moments that made us feel that you know what we're doing is actually some value and it's not just about you know dollars and cents but it's there is a some amount of impact that we're doing so that's great. so that was that's great. really nice yeah yeah i i could just keep going here it's just i i've got more questions than uh i don't want to take uh take take your whole whole day there um i did have one one question that we ask everyone here and you, you probably have an opinion on this should the olympics include uh, esports in their official program uh my answer is no we're not and i'll give you my reason i think that you know historically the olympic games has been uh declining in its you know viewership and ratings and it's getting a fan base of uh, audiences which is a much older one uh and i think it's the other way around olympics needs esports more than esports needing olympics so i think olympics can, yeah i think they can leverage the the positives from esports you know that predominantly gen z audience uh digital natives uh all of that they can actually leverage to their advantage i think they have a very strong digital strategy already in place they've introduced certain games i think five games i'm not sure which one of those but some are more like video games but not just sitting on the chair and playing those games but actually making physical movements so that they're actually uh you know exerting energy as well So uh Zwift is one great example you know you're cycling on a digital course and you're you're making you know putting an effort so i feel like it's uh it's i think they they should learn uh, you know take the be- best things from each other and not like get fixated about you know having esports as part of olympics i don't think the values of olympics which is you know uh the universality of the olympic principles fair play friendship and uh, you know common uh greater good i don't think that directly translates with what you know some of the games some of the more you know games that are based on the concept of hunger games or the last man standing genre which is all about you know killing and trying to be alive it doesn't resonate directly so i feel like 
it's a forced fit. It's not like it's not a natural fit. So I feel like you know Olympics should leverage esports. Like I think they've done some demonstration events with Intel where they have Street Fighter and they have one more game. So they're still figuring this out. I think more time and more deliberation is required before one can finalize what it is all about. No, it's it, it's always interesting to hear people's hear people's take on it because we hear both sides to it. But it's just something that's coming down the road one way or the other. Yes, I mean, but we, uh, sorry, just to add to that, but we've also been in touch with a lot of the cricket teams, you know, the major franchises in India, uh, the football franchises of the official league. So all of them are uh, looking at uh, esports and they're looking at, you know, how can they use esports to uh, reach out to a much younger Gen Z audience. So that is that that investigation is still going on, but none of them have actually found the perfect solution. So is there it, are case studies of yeah. Sorry, go on. No, is tennis is also doing that too, aren't they? Yes, tennis is doing that too. Yeah. Obviously, in India, tennis is a very elitist sport. It's very you know, it's it's only limited to a certain class of people that play and watch the game. Uh, I'm talking more about the mass sports, which are like, you know, like aspirational and played by literally everyone. So, but tennis has done that with Australian Open. They have a game as well. They've used Fortnite to do a lot of activation that brings yes. you know, the young people. So that's been very interesting. I think that's another interesting way to connect uh, sports with, you know, this community. And this, again, is just for my information more than anything else. Is there anything in is there are there esports games revolving cricket involving cricket the same way that there is with what we call soccer with FIFA? I mean, are there are there cricket um, esports games right, out there? Right. Yes. Yes. That absolutely. We have around two or three games. It's called Real Cricket uh, and uh, World Cricket Championship uh, Two. Uh, these are the two prominent games that are already out there, and they've. Uh, they're not as, uh, I would say, as thoroughly developed or as uh, rich in experience as FIFA or Konami uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. It's it's they're there, but they're not like the, uh, you know, like they're not very fully developed franchises at the moment, uh, and they're more like one on one. They're not like uh, you know, there's not a team format. So we're we're still yet to uh, get traction, but just by virtue of it being a cricket game. It still gets like a hundred million downloads and you know several million people playing it. So that continues to happen because cricket is such a massive, you know, uh, cultural connector. Like even Bollywood is for Indian people. Yes, it's cricket. It's like sport in in India. Yeah, absolutely. By far, by far, it's the biggest sport. It's like what you know. It's like what baseball is for. uh, Like you call it the national pastime in. In the U.S., right? So yes. we have and football in in Africa, right? In every country in Africa, football is like it's the way of life. So we have cricket as the way of life. Yes, yes. Hey, you know, I, I don't want to take take. There's all kinds of. Things I really wanted to talk about. It says you're an advocate of healthy relationship with technology, and that's that's like that's a completely right. separate discussion. There, I don't want to. I don't want to keep going because <laughs> we, we we won't stop. But that that's another thing that could be good to talk about sometime in the sure. future because i think that's a really smart way to look at things hey i've I, I really appreciated the conversation I mean, it's, we, we went right through it and there's there's a lot more to talk about but um yeah just really appreciate 
taking your time here with us today. Tom, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you other side of the world and, and uh, Reginald for, you know, uh, rising up so early. And uh, really, it's uh, it, it means a lot. And I'm, re- I'm really uh, happy that we could connect. And uh, hopefully, yeah, and see you soon. And, you know, if there's anything that we can do with you guys in India, uh, you know, connect you with more speakers, bring in more advertisers, whatever that there is, please feel free to let me know. We, we, we are never shy. Do not worry. All right. Thanks again for everyone for listening to the Gamers Change Lives podcast season two. Follow the money, play games, create jobs, change lives. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded. And so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at GamersChangeLivesPodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening.